<sighs> Welcome back, everyone. This is the Mind Body Mentor Podcast. My name is Steven Jaggers, and I am your host. On today's episode, we're doing things a little bit different. I just held a uh, somatic understanding workshop, uh, and so many of you guys reached out and said you wanted to hear the recording. So why not just post it on the podcast? So if you want to have a deeper understanding of how somatic breath work works, um, I get into a little bit of my own story, uh, the creation process of it, different types of breath work, understanding stress, trauma, and how your nervous system responds to these things. So it is a value-packed episode. I know you will get a ton of it and stick around to the end um, for those of you that are interested in our upcoming online practitioner training and you're feeling called to join this movement to create an impact in so many people's lives this is an incredible tool if you're a coach therapist practitioner or a human that wants to hold space for other humans for massive transformation so without further ado i love you all I know you will get so much from this, and here is the webinar. Okay, welcome, welcome everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Tuesday. Um, so how this is going to go down is I'm going to do a little workshop um, on understanding trauma and stress on a somatic level. Um, we'll get into breath work specifically and why it is so powerful for releasing trauma, releasing stress. We'll get into somatic release breath work and what that type of breath work is used for primarily. Um, and yeah, then we'll feed into Q and a, and we'll just, uh, we'll open it up for questions. So if you have questions while we are going over things, please write them down so you don't forget them. Um, and we'll save those questions to the end. So I'm excited to just looking at all your faces here. If you want to show your face, that'd be cool. I like seeing faces. It's good. What's up? I see some practitioners in here too, tuning in. Thank you for joining. And then we also got my brother Fish as well. What's up, Fisher? Thanks for hopping in. Um, if you have questions and stuff too, you can write them in the chat as well. Um, and we will we'll go ahead and get started. So first off, I wanted to share a little bit about myself, um, my story, if you will, and kind of how this process of creating somatic breath work uh, came about. Give you a little bit of background on myself. Um, Let's see how in depth I want to go. So I was uh, an only child. Um, I was raised by parents who struggled with significant addiction. Um, they were addicted to, you know, hard street drugs such as meth, cocaine, lots of different um, stimulants, if you will. And uh, you know, I was always a very sensitive child growing up. I knew that something was, was off. You know, when you're, when you're a child, you're so sensitive, you are full of sensory awareness. You can really feel what your parents are going through. And a lot of the times as a child, you take a lot of that on. Um, but you know, they ended up, uh, getting sober when I was about six and 
switching from hard street drugs to prescription medication. And I could see the amount of anxiety and depression that they were struggling with as, as a child. I, I always knew that something was up. Um, for myself, I, you know, was always a very physical, physical human. I love sports. I love being in my body. And I came to realize that, you know, I was always the kid running the streets, playing tag, playing hide and seek, playing sports, skateboarding, all of those things, they kept me in my body and they kept me where I didn't think about what was going on at home. I didn't think about what was going on in the future because I was there in the moment present in my body. And those things helped me so much. So outside of, uh, of high school, I went uh, to college. I ended up studying and wanting to study uh, addiction psychology and uh, also um, physical therapy, I couldn't decide which route I wanted to go down. If I wanted to go down the sort of psychology route or the, uh, physical therapy and working specifically with the body. And in our, in our world, our, our, our school system is set up in a way for, um, most people that are auditory learners and visual learners, uh, where myself, I I'm such a kinesthetic learner. So I ended up uh, dropping both of those, psychology and physical therapy, and I ended up um, wanting to study uh, body work specifically, different types of body work. And I found a school that taught lots of different energetic styles of body work and also neuromuscular body work that help people al align people on a physical level. Um, I learned lots of different somatic styles of body work and working with someone's soma. And so I became fascinated with this mind-body connection. And the first time I got my hands on someone's body, I immediately started to learn so quickly because I am such an, a kinesthetic learner, which I know so many people are. Most of us are experiential learners, and we don't really learn anything until we get out in the real world and actually experience something anyways. Um, but you know, as a body worker, I became pretty uh, well known as a, a neuromuscular therapist, as a neuro, as a somatic release body worker. I uh, I ended up uh, stumbling across this man named Stan Groff, who created holotropic breathwork. And lots of you guys have had questions on holotropic breathwork, and we'll get into the differences of lots of different types of breathwork today. Um, but I ended up doing a, uh, a holotropic breathwork session with Stan Groff, and it was a profound, profound experience for myself. I ended up releasing on a physical level more than any body work, chiropractic, um, physical therapy. Uh, I felt like I had 30 years of, of, uh, of, um, therapy in like one hour session. And one of the profound things that came up for me is that as a body worker, as a, I was also a personal trainer, um, as a, as a coach, I noticed that I am actually a breath worker first. I'm a body worker second. And this is a profound realization. And any of you guys that are working with other humans in any sort of way, you are already a breath worker whether you know it or not, because the breath is the number one tool to tell what state someone is in. If you are working with somebody in any sort of capacity and they are holding their breath or they're not really breathing, 
um, or their nervous system is stuck in a contracted state, whatever you're working, whatever you're doing with them is probably not really working for them anyways, because they're already in defense mode. And so I had this profound realization that I had, I had been a breath worker first, a body worker second. So I started studying lots of different types of breath work. And there are so many different types of breath work out there. Kundalini yoga to Wim Hof to some of the uh, more performance breath work, such as oxygen advantage, Buteco breathing, um, some of the longer journey, um, sort of psychedelic altered state breath work, such as holotropic. And there's a lot of dogma in the breath work space, you know, which breath work is the best. And to tell you the truth, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you a little bit today about, um, you know, what different types of breathing actually does to your nervous system. And so all of these different breath works, they're all good for different things. They, it just depends on when to utilize them. So we'll get into that. Um, but I ended up studying lots of different types of breath work, ended up combining breath work with some somatic release body work and also guided NLP cueing because you are, uh, guiding someone verbally as well. And I noticed that when I did a breath work session with somebody first, before I coached them, before I worked on them as a body worker, before I did anything with them, the results actually lasted because I was able to kind of shut off a lot of the defense systems that people have first. I help people clear a lot of the emotional stuff that kept them in a contracted state. I mean, when you're working on someone's physical body and someone's in a contracted state and they, and, and you help them align their physical body, and then they keep coming back to you over and over and over again in the same state, it's not the muscular system. It's not the skeletal system that, that is, is holding that it's actually your nervous system. And so working with the nervous system first, and then being able to work with somebody on a coaching level, and then being able to work with somebody on a physical alignment level, the, 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 um, the change and the transformation was just such a longer lasting thing. Um, I'm already getting into it here. Uh, as you could tell, I'm, uh, I'm definitely passionate about this. Um, so somatic, somatic breath work is a combination of, a few different types of breath work. And we'll talk about that. Um, also there is hands-on touch techniques and there is also guided NLP cueing. And if you joined our zoom session this past week, uh, you will obviously know that I'm not able to, I'm not able to be there and actually work on you physically. So there is that sort of missing component, um, with the zoom sessions, but they can still be so powerful. They can still be so powerful. And I'm sure you experienced that as well. Um, you don't actually have to be a body worker. You don't have to actually, um, use hands-on touch with people for this modality to be effective. Um, but you can, and touch is such a very, such a powerful, powerful tool. And it's the first sense that we actually develop as a child. When we are born, the first sense that we feel is our mother's touch. Um, so it's such a powerful, powerful uh, tool. And especially in today's world where we are void of, 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 of touch, it's actually an essential nutrient that we need. And we've seen you know, studies on babies, if they aren't touched or the elderly population, if they don't receive physical touch, um, their lives are, are significantly diminished. Um, but before I get into today's kind of lecture and workshop, 
Um, I would love to hear from perhaps Fish a little bit, his background, how he came into this work, and then we will uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Okay, can you hear me okay? We're good? I can hear you great, brother. Yeah, right, good. Well, thank you guys so much for actually tuning in. Um, this work is so special to me as my journey. I'll just share a little bit of it. Um, I won't take much of your time because I know I want to make this about you guys. I want really kind of make it always about providing as much value as possible. So my journey actually was as a client. Um, I went through a very significant loss in my life. And I'm a physiotherapist by nature and by background. And a lot of the things that I've actually looked at and been engaged with in life were a lot of uh, physical touch that were actually with embedded with protocols. If someone was saying this, then you would do this. If someone had pain here, you would actually go here. And when I had that loss, my whole body started to shake and convulse. And for months, I was unable to really move on with my life at all. I felt like cognitively I was, but my body, my somatic, like the experience that my body was having was stuck in a contracted state. And I couldn't even function. I would just shake uncontrollably. And through a really close mutual friend that Stephen and I have, he, he introduced me to Stephen and I started doing this breath work. And so I was a client first and foremost. I just went for healing. And it became so profound after like six or seven sessions, I had felt that I had let go. I had brought significant closure, maybe probably the first time I've ever had closure in my life to something that was external of myself. I actually had closure within myself internally. And it allowed me to step up in my life because I had been in such a low. And here I am after probably two months of working with Steven and I'm in such a elated state, so high. And it was one of the most moving things I've ever, the big, one of the greatest gifts I've ever received is I, I got the freedom back in my nervous system to continue my life. And I knew right there in that moment that I wanted to cultivate my skill sets to bring this to the world, to bring this to a multitude of different people. So client first, and I'm so fortunate to now be a huge part of this movement. And it was so much because of this modality. Steve and I talk about this. Steve and I are just shepherding it in. The world needs this and we need practitioners. The demand is so high. And so anybody who is feeling that call, thank you so much for being on this call with us. I just wanted to like let you know a little bit about my story and how I came to be sitting next to this incredible man and on this incredible team with, with everyone. So thank you so much for, for actually spending your time with us. It really makes, it makes a huge difference to us. Thank you, brother. Yeah. So, um, I know fish talked a little bit about his experience, but, um, he is an incredible wealth of knowledge, physiotherapist handling, um, you know, top level athletes dealing with a lot of very suppressed, um, individuals, not only on a body level, but being there with them on a, on such a deep mental level as well. Um, but without further ado, let's get into some of the topics that we are going to go over today and then save your questions for the end. You can always write them in the chat. We will wait to get to those till the end though. Um, but yeah, so 
let's first off, we need to sort of define some words. Words are the carrier of meaning and words are the ways in which that we communicate. And a lot of the times people think that we're in understanding, that we understand each other, uh, but we could use the same word and have different meanings behind the word. So when it comes to the word trauma, it comes to the word love, comes to the word truth or God, um, those things could mean something different to all of you. And so first off, uh, we need to define some words and make sure that we're all kind of on the same level of understanding. Um, and that's some of the most powerful things I've done with, uh, with people is getting them to define their words. If you're in a relationship, like what does relationship actually mean? If you, you know, say, I love you to someone, what does that actually mean to you? And what does that actually mean to the other person? Um, so getting people, you know, especially in, in coaching, uh, if people say they want some people say they want success, uh, what does that actually mean? Because we might have different definitions on that. And so when it comes to uh, trauma and stress, let's get into trauma first. So trauma is actually not the thing that's happening to you this traumatic event. It's not the actual thing that's happening to you. It's what's happening inside of you based on that thing that's happening to you. Meaning that it's a subjective experience and that every, everybody handles it differently. No two people handle the same situation the same. And so trauma is not the actual thing that's happening to you. It's what's happening inside of you based on that thing that's happening to you. The same thing with stress. Stress is actually not the thing that's happening to you. It's what's happening inside of you based on those things that's happening to you. And so what's stressful to me might not be stressful to you. What's traumatic to me, it might not be traumatic to you. And so we need to understand that it's actually a trauma response. It's actually a stress response. And that, that is the sort of thing that happens inside of you. And so when you are working with somebody who's had some sort of stressful experience, traumatic experience, you don't know actually how traumatic it, it is for them. You don't know exactly how stressful certain situations have been for people. And this is, this is definitely based on both nature and nurture. So it's definitely based on kind of how you were born into the world, perhaps the things that your parents went through, you know, your genetic makeup. Um, your default settings and how you came into this world. And it's also uh, based on your experiences that have led you up into this point, the things that you've gone through. And so we need to understand that these trauma responses, these stress responses are actually an intelligent thing. It's actually kept us safe. So something happens to you and then this trauma response comes up or the stress response comes up, that's an intelligent response designed to keep you safe. And that happens, it does not happen on a mind level. It happens on a nervous system level and it's an intelligent response. So most of you guys have heard these responses before, uh, such as fight, flight, fawn, freeze. All of these things happen without you actually having to think about it. It is part of the intelligence that is inside of your system that uh, humans have grown and evolved uh, with these systems 
uh, because they have kept us one alive and safe and have allowed us to, you know, continue our species. So we need to understand that these trauma responses are actually intelligent responses in the beginning, but if they get left unattended to, if they don't have the opportunity to move through us, then they stay activated. And so you get people that have trauma responses, stress responses that are constantly activated. And so in the beginning, this is an intelligent response, but over time, it becomes the thing that actually blocks you from being able to live your life. It becomes the thing that blocks you from being able to have an abundance mindset. It becomes the thing that blocks you from being able to actually be in a relationship with another human. And so we need to understand the natural processes, the very intelligent processes that our soma, our body actually does to release these trauma responses. And so I'll give you an example of this. Um, I had a woman that I was working with and, uh, she had shared that she had, um, been, uh, uh, she had been sexually traumatized when she was very young as a, as a, as a little girl. And so when something of that impact, when something of that nature actually happens to you, your body your biology, you could say, or maybe, you know, if you have a spiritual take on this, you could say your soul, it actually doesn't want you to experience that. It wants to protect you from feeling that, that impact of actually what's going on in the moment. And so maybe that this girl, she couldn't actually flight on a physical level. She couldn't actually leave what was, what was happening. So what happens is we call this dissociation where someone actually flees on a consciousness level, they check out. And that's an intelligent process, that checking out process, because your body, your soul, your heart does not want you to have to actually experience what's going on in the moment. But that defense system, that very intelligent defense system, it doesn't just shut off. And so 20 years down the line, 25 years down the line, the thing that helped her from not having to experience that becomes the thing that blocked her. And now she's in a relationship, you know, 20 years later and is trying to be intimate with her partner. And that same defense system of checking out when trying to be intimate is still happening. And so in our world, we don't honor the intelligent processes of how our body actually releases defense systems. And so somatic breath work is a powerful modality that allows people to release a lot of these defense systems that happen on a nervous system level. Um, so I'm going to continue. Please write your questions if you have them, um, and we will circle back. So we need to understand that we are our somatic sensation, our ability to sense, our ability to feel is actually our birthright. It's how we were born into this world. And I told you that, I, you know, I was a much probably like you guys, all of us here were probably very sensitive beings when we were young. Maybe you're still a sensitive being now. And that's a good thing because that is our birthright is to feel the full spectrum of this life experience. To be sensitive is actually to be full of sense. It's actually to be full of sensory awareness. The opposite of sensitivity is actually numbness. 
And so we have a sort of pain killer epidemic in our world right now um, where people are, are, are numbing themselves. And you think about our, our body, our soul was not meant to sit behind a desk for nine to five for 40 hours a week. At that point, I probably would want something to numb myself from the pain of my existence and the pain of my actually re- actual reality at that point as well. And so the pain, the actual negative feeling is an intelligent response as well too. That pain is the thing that creates a catalyst, creates change. And so when we are numbing ourselves from feeling the pain, we actually miss out on feeling the bad thing that actually is the, the catalyst for us to change the direction of our life. And so I'll get back to it. Our somatic sensation, our ability to feel both the highs of life and the lows of life, that is our birthright. That is how we were born into the world. And when we cut ourselves off from feeling some of the lows, we cut ourselves off from feeling some of the highs. And then we live in this very narrow uh, window of existence. And, you know, Peter Levine has coined this as sort of the, the living death. Although trauma, you know, um, not many people have died necessarily directly from trauma. If it's left unattended, it slowly diminishes our quality of life. A lot of, uh, it has been coined as a living death. So how many people do you know that are walking around? They're alive, but they're not actually really alive inside. They're walking around numb. And their light and their ability to experience life is this small little window of existence. It's this, this feeling of being dead inside. And so to become sensitive is to become full of sensory awareness. It's to become full of life. The more sensitive you are, the more li- the more alive you actually are. Now, the more sensitive you become, the more boundaries you actually need for yourself to protect that sensitivity. And so boundary, we'll get into boundaries a little bit as well, too, because that is so important. Um, but And let's think about this word sensitivity a little bit more, because we live in a world that is mentally dominant. We live in a world that is ruled by our mind. We've done a, very, a lot of very cool things like Zoom and microphones and all of these different uh, uh, um, technology, Um, but we have really forgotten about the intelligence that's actually uh, embedded within our body, the intelligence of nature. Your body is actually a biological entity. And so if you were to try to try to mentally think about this right now, can you repair yourself on a cellular level? You are repairing yourself on a cellular level every day. You are digesting your food. Now, if you actually had to mentally think about digesting your food, do you think you'd be able to digest your food? I don't think our minds can't even fathom the intelligent processes of our body. What is beating your heart right now? What is the essence that's beating your heart? Are you beating your heart? Are you mentally having to think about beating your heart? No, that is an intelligent process of your body. So we've lost connection to the intelligent processes of our body and the, in the, uh, intelligent processes of our, uh, of nature itself. And I believe that's kind of the root issue in our world is a dissociation from our mind and our body. 
It is a it is a root dissociation of our of 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 our deep connection to the planet and our dissociation from each other. If you think about this, most humans operate from a place of, um, you know, we can look at, at technology and we can see something terrible that's going on on the other side of the world. But most of us in our, our bodies were not designed to handle everything else besides what's going on in our immediate existence. And so when we're looking at all of these different things that are happening on social media in the world, um, we naturally dissociate because we can't handle that. Because in our core, we know, like on a cellular level, your, your body knows that it's intrinsically connected to every other human and every other species on this planet. Every cell in your body knows is that if you dump toxins in the river, uh, you know, even if it's halfway across the world, eventually that water will be the water that makes up the, the water inside of your children. And so we aren't disconnected. And so uh, on, a, on, a, uh, on a societal level, there is a dissociation happening, and that is a dissociation from the mind and the body or the mind and biology. I'm getting deep here. Sorry, guys. Actually, I'm not sorry. Um, so I want to circle back. Um, even if we, in our culture, we say that something makes sense to us, like if something makes sense to you, we think about that on a mind level, like I can wrap my head around it. Like if it makes sense to me, I can wrap my head around it. But if things, if, if something actually really makes sense to you, it makes sensation. It makes a full body yes. And that full body yes is so much, or, or your full body no. That sensation is so much more intelligent than your mind is. And so becoming so connected to that sensation and reconnecting the mind to the body is the first step in healing any sort of trauma, healing any sort of stress, and actually um, becoming the, 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 the human and the person that you actually want to be in this world. I'll get more into that. So when we have these long-term chronic instinctual defenses activated, it starts to drain our energy. So I talk about that numbness is actually an active process. Think about this. It takes energy from your system to maintain a state of being numb. And I'll give this example. So in body work, we had a term that was called parasitic tension. Most of us have a lot of parasitic tension. If you have tension in your neck, your shoulders, your traps, most of us have neck, neck, shoulder tension. I would, I would assume most people have like, you know, what we could call it knots in your uh, shoulders. And so that it takes energy from your system to actually contract that muscle. It takes energy from your system to actually stay in a contracted state. And that energy is draining on your, on your ability to repair yourself on a cellular level, that energy is draining you from being able to actually show up in the world, to have energy, to connect with your family, your friends. And so that numbness, it actually takes all of your energy to maintain a state of numb. You could think of human beings as a memory card. We only have so much capacity. 
we only have so much time on this planet. We have only so much time in our life. And when you get filled up with, uh, uh, defense systems, triggers, trauma responses, all of these different things, it starts to take up space on your memory card. And then you're only left with this much space left to actually utilize that energy in how you want to show up in the world, what you want to do with your life. And so allowing people to discharge a lot of these defense systems, it actually frees up more energy for them um, to repair on a body level, to also have the mental and, and, and physical energy to actually um, live a life that is, you know, of value to, to live out your potential. There's a lot of ways you could say that, um, but everybody's different and uh, there's some semantics and we would have to define too many terms. So, we need to understand this mind-body connection a little bit more. And we need to understand that that connection is the first step in, in healing any sort of trauma in, in actually becoming the, the human that you want to be. And so the two different words that I use for mind-body connection is soma and psyche. Your soma is your body. And your psyche is your mind. You could call this the, the, the animal and the artist as well. Your soma, it makes up your instincts and your emotions. Maybe you want to write this down. I don't know. Your soma or your, your somatic intelligence, it makes up your emotions and your instincts. Your psyche, it creates the stories, the perceptions on how you view the world. It makes up the lens, the perspective on how, on how you view the world and also how you view yourself. And so understanding that humans are, are somatic-centered beings first, and we are mental beings second. Our processes happen on a somatic level first and then on a mental level. This is sort of the bottom-up model where in our culture, we live in a world where we try to work with people top-down. We try to work with people's mindset. We do, you know, we do talk therapy. And so if you are not working with someone on a somatic level, on an instinctual and an emotional level, uh, you can do as much talk therapy as you want. If someone is stuck in a contracted state or stuck in a state with unprocessed emotions and a nervous system that is stuck in a, in a defensive state, um, you're not going to be able to, to, to really make a significant change. There is a paradigm shift that's going on within the health and wellness sphere, within the coaching sphere. And this paradigm shift is that this needs to be mind and body health. They're so intrinsically connected. You cannot separate them. We've become such specialists in our culture. So you have to address both. If you only address the body, eventually you're going to have to address the mind. If you only address your mind, um, you're probably going to have issues with your body and that's going to significantly diminish your quality of life. You have to address both. And they're so intrinsically connected. And so... I'm going to share a little uh, thing here. Let's see. I'm going to share this little uh, bottom-up model with you guys. So let me see if I can pull this up over here. Okay. You guys can all see that? 
Let me double check real quick here. Sorry, guys, I got too many screens going on. Give me one second. Okay, so this is the sort of connection between the mind and the body or the psyche and the soma. And so I want you to take a moment from writing and I want you to think about this right now. If someone were to break into your house right now, if you would first have an instinctual response. You wouldn't be thinking about it. You would first like jump. You would either want to fight this person. You maybe would freeze where you're at. Maybe you would want to run. And so that doesn't happen on a mental level. That first happens on an instinctual level. It first happens on a soma level. So this is the process of how your body works with trauma, uh, trauma and stress. Secondly, what's going to happen is you're probably going to feel an emotion. And this emotion is going to be a, a strong chemical concoction of glandular secretions, um, adrenaline, cortisol, all of these different things that create an emotion through your system. And maybe that emotion is fear. Maybe that emotion is actually, maybe you are going to, you're going to go fight this person. And maybe that emotion is courage. And so that's still not happening on a mental level. Only lastly, after that whole scenario went down, are you actually going to start creating a story in your head? And that story, maybe that story is that I'm not safe in the world anymore. Maybe that story is the world is out to get me. Or maybe that story is I'm a badass and I, you know, <laughs> scared this person away. And so that is going to be the perception that's going to be cemented. And that's going to be the lens that you start to view the world. But that lens, your perception is oftentimes based on what happened on an instinctual and an emotional level. Does that make sense? Does it make sensation? Okay, cool. All right. Um, so, we get a lot of, I get a lot of people that come to me that are like, you know, I, I just can't stop. Uh, I can't stop these, this limited mindset. I can't stop these like, um, you know, limited thoughts or fear centered thoughts from coming into my head. And, and what I'll say is that we don't decide to be limited thinkers. It's not like you're going to wake up in the morning and be like, okay, I'm going to choose my mindset. I think it's going to be limited today. It's not, it doesn't work like that. That limited mindset is a byproduct of what's going on in here, what's going on on a somatic level, on an instinctual level. And so your, your thoughts, your mind, your psyche is actually really not happening inside of your head. It's actually happening out here. And I could get into more about that. Um, that could get a little esoteric, but your body is an antenna. And the state of your nervous system, your, elect, your nervous system is your electrical system. It's also known as your chakra system, which we'll get in a lot more of that. Um, but the state of that antenna is going to be what you're actually picking up on, what types of thoughts you're picking up on. And so if you are in a contracted state on a nervous system level, on an instinctual and an emotional level, you're going to be picking up on contracted ideas. And so, so many people, they want to work with these limited mindsets, but it's like, 
okay, we need to actually get you to feel safe in your body, to feel expansive in your body, to feel expansive in your emotions, to create elevated emotions. If you want to research more on elevated emotions, Dr. Joe Dispenza does an incredible job of um, sharing what that actually does for you on a physiological level. And he's a big advocate of not working with people on a mental level, but create, helping them create elevated emotions. And we'll get to how somatic breath work actually um, ties in a lot of that as well. <clears throat> Need a little bit of water. And so when you are wounded on a somatic level, the stories about yourself, the stories about the world are going to skew towards darkness. When you are, you know, when you are wounded on a somatic level, your perception of the world is going to be that of people are out to get me or there's not enough to go around. And so to first to, to liberate the mind to actually create beautiful stories, to actually have space, you actually have to free and, and help someone heal on a somatic level first. It'll be much more um, longer lasting for people. And so let's get into what are those intelligent processes that our body actually does to help ourselves heal on an instinctual and an emotional level. In our society, we live in a very suppressed culture. Actually, I would say around the world, most, most cultures are quite suppressed. Some of them are a lot better at, at expressing themselves um, on a somatic level and on a mental level. But I want you to think about this. When someone is crying, and maybe you have children, and maybe this comes from a well-intentioned place, if someone is crying, most of the times the first thing we want to do is we want to run over to them and we want to be like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But really what we're doing is, no, 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 stop. No, 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 don't feel that. I don't want you to feel that pain. And that comes from a well-intentioned place. But as I talked about, children are so sensitive and so in tune with the natural intelligence that moves through them is that what they are doing is they're actually moving that energy through their system. So they're not holding on to it. So they're not, so they don't become a ticking time bomb. And so that, that crying, the yelling, the screaming or the shaking or the movement of the body or the deep breathing, all of those things are considered discharges, somatic discharges, or we call them expressions. Maybe it's laughter, maybe it's crying, maybe it's yelling, maybe it's screaming. All of these different things, they are movements of energy through your system. And a lot of the times, those are the necessary action that your vessel, your body needed to do in the present moment. And so when something traumatic happens to us and we freeze up, we actually don't have space for us to discharge. And in our culture, it's not like we can just be in the middle of the grocery store and, you know, start yelling and crying and screaming. It doesn't work like that. But having a safe space with another person, an empathetic witness, if you've read Body Keeps the Score, um, healing happens in the presence of an empathetic witness. 
And so that's why somatic release is another reason why it's very powerful um, because it, it is done with um, a one person and another person guiding and having someone there as an empathetic witness, as a guide, you can do a lot of work on yourself. You can do a lot of work on yourself, but as humans, we are communal beings and we need each other. And that's the thing that is, is, um, is going to make such a significant difference because this whole realm of self-help, um, it's actually, I think it's a lot of bullshit because we really actually need each other and we co-regulate with each other, meaning that our nervous systems co-regulate. When someone's nervous system is, is dysregulated and they're around somebody that is an empathetic witness, that is relaxed, that it will hold a neutral space for them, they will actually co-regulate and they will match each other. It's almost like my nervous system is saying, hey, like, it's okay. It's okay for you. To, it's, it's okay to let yourself feel that. And that discharge is the thing that happens on a somatic level that is the message to your body saying, I'm not in the presence of a stressor anymore. If you want to learn more about this, uh, there's some YouTube videos. There's a, a polar bear trauma video. Uh, but basically, that discharge, that release, that crying, that laughing, that screaming, that movement of energy through my body, that temper tantrum that your child is doing is the message to the body saying, I'm, I'm not in the presence of a stressor anymore and I can relax. And so, so many people move through the world where things have happened to them and they just throw it in this backpack of, of undigested experiences and have not allowed themselves a space to be vulnerable and to discharge, to cry, to be seen, to be held. And so I forgot where I was going. Sorry. Mind, mind. Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I was, I was on one there that, um, okay. So I remember where I was at. Sorry about that. So, you know, when people, have gone through life and, and most of us have, have held it together for our families, have held it together for our friends. Have, we, we, want to, we want to be strong for the people around us. And so we think that being strong is to hold it all in, to hold it all together, to not show any weakness. And, there, and then our body is actually saying that we're still in the presence of a stressor. Because we, we didn't allow ourselves the space to actually have the somatic discharge, to have the release, to communicate a strong enough message to our system that, okay, we've released this energy, we're not in the presence of a stressor anymore, and I can go about my life. Animals naturally do this. And if they didn't do that discharging process, you, maybe you've seen some videos of when animals go through a very stressful experience, the first thing they start doing is taking deep belly breaths, shaking uncontrollably. They're literally shaking that energy through their system so they're not stuck in that contracted state. Because if an animal was stuck in that contracted state, is stuck in that, that state of I'm being eaten alive, it's not going to survive for very long. And so there's so many humans that are stuck in that state and uh, makes life very difficult. It makes life very difficult. Maybe they're surviving, but are they thriving? I, I, I highly doubt it. 
And it also, it also limits our ability to actually relate and develop strong relationships with the people that we love. I talked about that a little bit yesterday on Instagram. Um, So I want to get into, is this all making sensation for you guys? I see some, some heads here coming through, coming through. I like it. Unless you guys got your faces now. Cool. So I want to talk about breath work specifically and the different types of breath work and why uh, breath work kind of does what it does. And then I'll go into a Q&A. So breath work, breathing, your respiration. I talked about this on the last session. Your respiration, if you break down the etymology of that, is to respire, is to respirit. And so your breath is the only body rhythm that you do on a conscious level and an unconscious level. It's the only body rhythm that you do that you can actually change right now. And we can all take a breath in or you don't have to think about it. It's you're just going to keep doing it. And so it is the bridge between your conscious and your unconscious, both psyche and soma, because they're intertwined. It's not just unconscious mind and, and, and conscious mind. It's, it's both. And so there are lots of different types of breath work out there. Your breathing is actually the thing that controls what state you are in. And I talked about this a little bit earlier when I um, said that I'm a breath worker first, a body worker second. It is the number one diagnostic tool to tell what state someone is in if they are in a contracted state. And it's the number one tool that you have that everyone has that's accessible to everyone because they're already doing it, that they can control their state. And so I want you to remember this rule right now. This is the number one rule of any breathing is that if you elongate your exhale, let's take a deep breath in, let your air go, elongate your exhale, keep breathing out, keep breathing out, keep breathing out. If you elongate your exhale, it's going to send you into a relaxed state. It's going to, on a physiological level, on a nervous system level, it's going to send you into a relaxed state. If you elongate your inhales, it's going to send you into a sympathetic state or a stress state. And so let's try that. Take a deep breath in, let a little bit out, deep breath in, a little bit out, a little bit out, one more deep breath in, a little bit out. That's going to send your system into an active state. If I was being chased by a tiger, how do you think I'd be breathing? I'd be breathing like, (laughs) I would be breathing very intensely. And so this is the thing that you need to understand about breath work specifically and, uh, and somatic release breath work, somatic breath work is that we utilize both. And so in the first half of somatic breath work, we are having you breathe like you were being chased by a tiger. And it's an uncomfortable experience. It's deep breaths in and out through the mouth. (sighs) And what we are doing is we are actually creating a stressed state on a nervous system level. We are taking your body into a state of stress, which in a safe container 
it allows you on a physiological level to take yourself into a stress state on a somatic level. And a lot of the times it brings up a lot of the undigested emotions, a lot of the things that you needed to do on an instinctual level, because you are taking your physiology into that state of stress. And that's why a lot of those things come up and maybe you don't even understand why it's happening on a mind level, but it's just happening on a somatic level. And so it'll bring up emotions. It'll bring up, um, instinctual defense systems. It'll bring up things that your body needed to do maybe is to shake it off. Or maybe the thing that you needed to do in the moment was to yell and scream the words, no. And so we spike your nervous system. And there's a lot of other things that are going on as well too, but this is a very basic understanding. And then that second half and this, this discharging period, this first half is creating a space for people to, uh, uh, discharge traumatic responses, discharge stress responses, clear out undigested emotions, allow people to feel. And once you clear on a somatic level, a lot of the times you become clear mentally. You, bec you become clear. When you clear, you become clear. And so that second half is really an opportunity for people for when we've spiked someone's nervous system. First off, we've spiked their system. Now we are going to show them how to actually regulate their system back down when they're in a stress state. And so the second half, I switched it in through the nose and I, I, I have you start to slow your breath down. So we're spiking it. And we're, and a lot of the times when you spike your nervous system, you actually can drop into a relaxed state that much better. You actually can, and, and we're retraining the nervous system to give it permission to discharge and then, and then take it back into a relaxed state. And during that relaxed state, during that second half, this is why this work becomes so powerful is a lot of the times people see clearly, they see very clearly what it is they want to do in this world. And so as a coach, I've done so many sessions around where we've helped people clear on a, on a, on a, a somatic level and they become clear mentally. And, and there, there is no other agenda besides your breath. So anything that's coming up, it's coming up from your inspiration, from your respiration. And people have profound insights. And it also gives us an opportunity to, now that you've cleared so much out, what do you actually want to embody? How do you want to feel? And so I've been to so many different types of breath works, especially holotropic, where the whole thing is very intense. Traditional holotropic is done for three hours and it's heavy breathing the whole time. No breath holds, no nothing. It is very intense. And so personally, I don't believe that it needs to be that intense for that long. You can do half intense. And a lot of the times people's identities they are so intertwined with their traumas and you clear all that out. People don't know who they are. So it's important that we create that, that firing and rewiring state for them to actually create the felt sensation of emotion to create, to embed the embodiment of who they want to be, what they want people to feel from them and starting to fire and wire that back in on a, on a body centered level, on a somatic centered level, because once, a uh, uh, a body or once a human has experienced a certain amount of expansion, has experienced a, an elevated emotion, your system recognizes that it's possible later on. Once you've like expanded yourself to a certain thing, once you've had a certain experience, 
you know what it's like, and therefore it's accessible later on. And that starts to create the integration process for people because that state, that access point of clarity is accessible later on because it's already been accessed. And there's a lot of other integration techniques as well. Um, but so the first half we're spiking, we're using elevated exhale or, um, you know, elongated exhales in the second half, we are using elongated inhales. Um, and there's so much more involved. Um, it kind of is hard for me to just, uh, wrap it up into a, such a small box for you guys. Um, but for the sake of time, I do want to leave some times for Q and A. So if you have questions, I would like to, um, have you, uh, raise your hand. Um, and I actually need to use a restroom real quick. So we'll take like a minute break. Um, I will come back, raise your hand on your zoom and I'll bring you up. Uh, we'll do about 15 minutes of Q and A and, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this, uh, this little webinar and hopefully it, um, it landed for some of you. So thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. If you found this webinar, this workshop of value, it would mean so much if you left us a five-star review on iTunes. It just helps us get this information out there. And since you made it all the way to the end, we have a little gift for you. If you are interested in the upcoming online practitioner training, we have a discount code that is online QA 200. That is all capital online QA 200. And that'll save you $200 off the practitioner training. Registration ends May 27th. And I just want to say thank you so much. We received so much love, so many comments, and the world is truly asking for this work right now. And I feel so blessed and humbled uh, to be a vessel for this to get out into the world. So thank you guys so much. And until next time.